everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Hi. Hi everyone. Welcome to today's live. My Wi-Fi is shockingly bad. It's not nearly as good as it was last time because I'm literally in a jungle, but we are going to give this full welly. Full welly. Do you know what? It doesn't seem that bad. I don't want to jinx it, but I, feel I know. Okay. I'm wondering if maybe it's just the first time I've used it actually inside the accommodation. Can we just talk about, by the way, before we get going? Oh, two things I want to talk about before we get going. I was in the shower yesterday thinking about what Anki said. (laughs) As you do. I genuinely do. Like, this is anyway. And I was thinking about how she was saying, um, like, some people get the same joy from things as they do from experiences or whatever it might be that people get joy from. And we were like, yeah, good point. And then we started talking about investments. And I was thinking you know what, it's really fucking hypocritical. Like, I'll just speak for myself here of me to be like, oh, I'm just, I never really understood things. Like I'm much more of like, I want an experience for food or, you know, but even like buying a bottle of wine, that's still buying a thing. I mean, I know you're consuming it and then you're getting drunk. So that's an experience in and of itself. And then I was thinking like, and the same thing applies to goals. We talk all the time about how like, you're not a bad person if you have a physique goal, if it's vanity, if you want to look a certain way for a certain thing, like that's perfectly valid. We're all human and we are products of the environment we live in. And a goal is a goal is a goal. So like, don't listen to anyone who's like, I'm just doing it to feel better. Why do you care about having abs? And we really hate that shit. And it's the exact same thing. Like, you know, each to their own and we all have a different drive and you should never, you should never have to apologize for that. And I love that. And there was another thing, but I've forgotten it now. <laughs> I like that. It, it reminds me of something I was doing. So I was doing my course yesterday and the, one of the studies they were talking about was a study that was trying to get people to save more money. And they had like all of these different situations. Actually, numerous parts of this are quite interesting. So they had just reminding people by a text message on payday, like put some money away. Then they also had... Um, a text from like their child like a, a made-up child being like can you save money for our future <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that's a bit crazy, right? and then they also had like financial incentives so if you save we'll give you 10 percent. if we say if you save we'll give you 20 percent. they had two of those and then they also had this and I can't really understand exactly what it was because it was like described but it was like a, a wheel where they would rub off basically I think it was quite similar to like a habit tracking thing right where they would rub off the day that they did save or the day that they didn't save so they like kind of ticking off a box and interestingly the both the financial incentives whether it was 10% or 20% works exactly the same so it did increase people how much people saved but increasing the like contribution from 10% to 20% didn't make any difference and what worked the best was the text message from a fake child like guilt tripping you into it so like I mean if you if you translate this into health and fitness it could be like a text message from your child saying make sure you look after yeah. so that we can enjoy experiences together or whatever um and then what works like incredibly well and it was described in a way that I was like oh, I don't know if I'd like really thought about that and I guess I don't know if it directly translates into health and fitness but because and these were like low-income families because if you're saving money it means that visibly there might be less and you can't see the saving yeah you yeah can like tick it off then you can see yeah. that you're getting something for it you're not just like because like you're saying like you can't see investments like yeah you can have your bank balance and stuff but you can't physically like yeah it's not it. tangible and yeah. often people don't have their bank balance sitting there or you know like it's quite a crude thing to do but you might yeah. have like a tick yeah yes I saved this week yes I saved this week and it's not just for the person saving but it's like for the family to be like there might be less I don't know disposable income but there's more here and it was like showing that there's more there that was yeah, actually really it, useful. 
Yeah, it makes it a reality and not kind of a hypothesis or a hope. I totally understand that. They talk about, psychologists talk about this all the time, the empathy gap, and how if you can bridge the gap between your present and your future self, and that even works in terms of ticking off boxes, being able to see it instead of having it be this murky mirage way ahead of you. If you can bridge that gap, you are much more likely to be able to actively and with, you know, with some motivation work towards your goals for your future self and if you say in the future I want to have a hundred thousand pounds saved in the bank or in my pension or whatever and then just letting that be this arbitrary floating thing at the back of your head if you can actually actively bring that into your present day and bridge the gap you 100% will get there it's incredible but I love that you're doing this course it's fascinating you must be loving it oh it's so like it's so interesting so much of the stuff is like for example I mean, that that one that you've just talking about like the empathy gap and like how we see our future self as someone different that's interesting because it's like it's directly what we do already right that's why we have people to off non-negotiables because saying that you want to weigh I don't know 20 pounds less at some point in the future doesn't really motivate change like doesn't really do anything but identifying what you need to do today to get you one step closer to that ticking off those boxes and seeing that you've ticked off those boxes and consistently doing that over time like that's your immediate reward for the long-term goal you know you're going in that right direction rather than like you're saying just being like yeah I hope I have loads of money in my pension when I retire are you actually doing anything that would mean that you would have money in your pension like same as I hope I weigh 20 pounds less in a year's time are you actually daily doing the things that are going to contribute to weighing less than a year's time? Um, and then one day that I read that was so, so interesting was about like, I guess how, how simple, like really simple nudges have such a big influence. And you know how we do like, as I say, we like as a society, like obesity is such a big problem and so much money put into education and different diets and all these things. And I think we, maybe like to think that we're making more choices than we are or that we're more logical and rational than we are when you do things like as simple as change the order of a menu people will change what they order because of like how you read a menu and like what what your attention is drawn to so instead of spending thousands of millions on like education and new diets and support systems and all that like all this kind of stuff like actually mcdonald's could just change where they put the highest calorie meal and it could save people like so many calories. And they did it with diet Coke versus full fat Coke and it reduced the consumption of full fat Coke by a third by changing where yeah. something's on the menu. That's for free. Like if, if you did that as an intervention, if that's how well the sugar tax worked, we'd be like, that's phenomenal. Like that is incredible to, to reduce by a third, but all they've done for free is change the order of a menu. Well, this is, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? It's, and it's marketing at its base level. If enough people knew, knew how to do this, we would solve a lot of fucking problems. It makes you think of like, you know, when like uh, the, I guess the Darren Browns or Darren, I don't know, what's he called, the magician? Yeah, Darren Brown. Darren, is it Darren or Darren? Because there's the writer in magician. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, but all that subliminal messaging, how he would claim he would give you like a scenario and you'd show up at the studio and you'd like think of this scenario and they'd film it and he would guess the whole story in your head. And it's because the whole cab ride there, from everything the producer is talking to this person about to every billboard they saw, they created, they literally he staged it. He staged the story in their head so that the second he was like, think of a holiday and you're out doing an activity with someone you know go like everything matched what he'd set up and it's like if a fucking magician can do it (laughs) it's so clever though like figuring out how people think and work and how we react to our environment means that want to become chief manipulator we should just put like ec billboards in the right places at the right times join ec method i have certain things like floating into the live behind us like subliminal messages (laughs) Yeah, do you remember that bear as well? That that bear that could, like moonwalks through the basketball game and you don't see him because you're too busy watching everyone else until it tells you to watch him. So it's, it's all the same shit. It's, it's like rewiring your thought process. It's mad. I love it that you're doing it. I'm so jealous. You teach me how to manipulate James. <laughs> okay. Okay, Kerry, you want a hot body. You want a Bugatti. You want a Maserati. You better bridge the empathy gap to your future self. Love that. Yeah. yeah. You need to get a text every day from 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I stop. I want to stop before I continue. My brain can't function. I know. Like some of these things, though, seem to work for a period of time and then not. Like the text message and stuff. Like if you got a text every single day, sometimes I think. Same with if anyone's ever done Duolingo, like when they first started texting you being like, oh, remember to do your Spanish today. You're like, oh, all right. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, they text me every day and I just ignore it. Block the number. Yeah. Never got it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Is that get... it? Yeah. Fuck, we really are going to have to get to the question. Going to have to do the quizzies. No, but remember I came up with a new strategy, which now I'm not um worried about which is that we're going to read them from the bottom up and yeah from the top um okay oh we're putting up the re-sign up link soon as well aren't we yes yes we are yes we are in fact we could maybe do that today well i mean we don't need to do it today but we are putting it up soon guys we're going to start putting it up earlier because a few of you are missing re-sign ups because of payday and then coming in late and it's just a nightmare so we're going to start figuring that out <laughs> imminently. Um, okay. Cheryl Lawrence. This is just a random question. I've noticed a new trend on social media where PTs, brackets, I've seen at least three doing it and now promoting plans with a photo shoot as the end point. I am interested and curious on what your thoughts are on this new marketing idea. Please don't feel like you have to discuss it if you don't want to. When does that ever happen? <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> you were, I said the words, no comment. You'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> um, my view on it is if the client comes in having set themselves a photo shoot goal or having naturally and organically having a photo shoot goal at the end of you know, the targeted phase that they're about to implement, which would obviously be a physique phase because the whole point is how you look at the end. That's fucking brilliant. That's fine. You know, if you really want to get some photos, you know that you're kind of in pretty good shape as it is. You want to see how fucking far you can push it. And you want to get, you want the incentive to get there and you book a photo shoot at the end. I am all for the client coming in with that goal, training and dieting and physiquing the shit out of them to get there while making sure on route that they do it in the happiest, healthiest way possible, which is hard because physique goals, we talk about it all the time, extraordinary results take extraordinary effort, but it's the coach's job to take care of your mental and physical health if that's the goal. And also to make you stay on with them after because the diet after the diet and the kind of mental shift after the mental shift, that is where the real work from both the coach and the client is gonna come in, surprisingly or not, that is the real nitty gritty of the work. I think a PT <laughs> imparting that goal on a client is going to end in a fucking disaster because people don't realize how much work like a physique goal really takes. I don't really understand why like that would somebody would just it's such an arbitrary goal for so many people just because some per, some one person loves it. Why would 100 other clients? Um, and I, find, I think it sets a really bad tone for broad spectrum, big picture health and fitness, which is why a hell of a lot of clients are looking for help. Um, so that's my thoughts. Emma? I have one thing to ask you before. Is there something that's like rolling around near the microphone? No. Because every time you move, there's like a... I wonder what it is. Is it every time I move or is it at certain points of talking? Like the air conditioning. No, it's not the fan because it's it like comes and goes. It's more like there's something moving on your laptop. Oh. It's not awful anyway. It's just it's just a little bit like and the fan off, just in case it's the fan. No, nah, it's definitely not the fan. I can't hear the fan. Anyway, um, I, I don't really like the photo shoot thing from a personal perspective. Like, it's not something I would do ever. I think it's like push. It's, it's kind of making out like that's the most important thing is the way that you look. I think as Chloe was saying, it's totally different. If someone came to the EC method and was like, I have a goal of a photo shoot, we would get them in shape for their photo shoot. But I think even like to broadly promote that that's like a normal, <laughs> like, I don't know, to put so much emphasis on 
taking photos at the end just seems to like to me anyway and the way that we work like it's not important it's not the important part like how you look is is not the important part it's everything else that goes with it and I think even if you say that even if you're like yeah yeah we know but like there's this like photo shoot at the end but it's also important your relationship with food I think what gets me is like when coaches are trying to promote both and I'm like that's so incongruent to be like here's all my photo shoot prep clients and then also by the way really care about your relationship with food like okay you don't because those those two things don't align the same if you want to do the photo shoot fine but I don't think you can push both and market both and say that you genuinely care about both well I don't I don't mind if I have any client come to me with a mega physique goal I have no um conflicting issues or interests in training them to look a certain way and I I do definitely consider it my job and my responsibility to try and take care of their relationship with food yeah but you're not, I I agree with that you're not broad spectrum promoting a program right. that ends only in a photo shoot like an eight-week photo <laughs> shoot prep program to everyone like, I would never do so, that it's so different if someone comes to you with that goal but I think even if you're like, well, like obviously not everyone has to sign up for that, but like the messaging that you're giving out, even if you're looking at it from a personal tra- trainer, like marketing perspective, that's the message that you're giving out. If you're then also saying how much you care about people's relationship with food and that actually body, you know, like I really care about body image, but I'm also promoting the fact that I'm doing like a photo shoot challenge. Like, ugh, I don't know. I don't think it really aligns. It's not something I would feel comfortable doing, but I would feel yeah. absolutely comfortable prepping someone for a photo shoot for their photo shoot that they were interested in that they would do so I would if they were then like had body image issues I'd be like well doing a photo shoot is probably like one of the worst things we can do the worst things you could do but I mean I'm just thinking about what my point was James James is mooning me so I just he's so lucky it's totally each to their own and there will be people that want to promote that stuff and there will be people that are attracted to that stuff and then hopefully there are people that aren't and and aren't I mean it it's good that there are different options for people right you don't all have yeah. to agree yeah we talk about all the time we all have different goals like even coaches coaches and clients like we all have different goals we're all doing it for different reasons and those goals can change every day every hour every week every month whatever like I don't have the same reasons for going to the gym now that I did two years ago or three years ago and I didn't last year and I'm sure I won't in two years from now and and you know your goal is your goal oh I remember what I was going to say before I got mooned um I was going to say it also wouldn't work if the let's just say a you could really fuck with somebody's relationship with food and their body which would be awful but it also wouldn't work if the client, if it wasn't their goal, they weren't invested in it, why would they do well? In which case then they're kind of wasting their money and also paying someone else to give them, it just, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I see. I mean, this used to be, it's interesting that this person said, this seems like a new thing. Cause I actually think people are moving away from it. This used to be massive in fitness. Like everyone would be like, oh yeah, I'm doing a photo shoot prep. And there'd be amazing yeah, transformation photos partly because the first ones were like someone in their like dark living room wearing like old pants or something and the last ones would be like photoshopped like tanned and to the like like a motherfucker yeah professional photo shoot you're like oh my god but yeah that used to be a big thing I feel like it's less so now but it's interesting yeah. that we follow we follow people who we follow for a reason there's a shit ton of pts and people out there who we don't follow for this very fucking reason this is our echo a reflection of our echo chamber yeah agreed okay there's a question here oh no wait hazel not a question but just uh but i made a live and i just wanted to say thank you for your support and reassurance this week you guys are the best back on track and looking forward to round three. Aww. I love that. Okay, Monique. Hi, question for Chloe on home bodyweight workouts. Um, Is it cool to do some workouts from the previous weeks if I'm finding some of the week five and six workouts a bit too hard, specifically the lower body workout? I knew, uh, um, I find I have to modify a lot 
doing workouts from the previous weeks are so hard is it okay to mix and match between weeks will this affect my results if i do so of course still splitting evenly lower body upper body and core thank you well monique i'm very glad you asked because it allows me to have one of my favorite rants and echo one of emma's more recent posts which i loved we change the workout so that you guys don't get bored. It's got nothing to do with how effective they are. It's got nothing to do with keeping your body guessing. It's got fuck all to do with any of that. We change them so you don't get bored. And the reason why you might find newer ones harder is simply because you haven't been doing them that long. The adaptation, whether it's up here or down here, has not yet shifted and taken place. And I am more than happy with you guys all of you to stick with as long as you're training your body evenly which we know you are thanks to your very succinct question um as long as you're training your body evenly i'm happy for you guys to stick to the same workout for months on end it doesn't bother me at all um and this is one of the biggest things and i get it when i take on one-to-ones i'm sure emma does too and all the pts in our industry talk about it when you're taking on new clients they're like are the, are the workouts going to be bespoke for me or, you know, um, um, am I going to get the same, like, I don't know, glute workout that everybody else gets? And it's like, uh, glutes are glutes are glutes. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yes, if you want to grow your glutes, you'll get the same program as that girl over there who wants to grow her glutes. Now, certain things might be different, which will be very much a reflection of you as the client. For example, your volume, your sets and reps, how long you've been lifting for, your intensity, how strong are you? You know, whether or not you have, like me, a really janky knee and you have to change your stance in some of the lifts. Like, I can't do narrow stance anything. Everything has to be wide stance or my knees are fucked. Um, but the actual exercises work for a reason. Yeah. Don't you think it's funny? I was just thinking, as you were saying that, people want to copy your meal plan, but they want bespoke workouts interesting <laughs> it's like I, I want my completely individual workouts like I would need something completely specific to me but I want to eat exactly what you eat weird when actually like you kind of want people to do the opposite right like the basics are the basics because they work like your your muscles don't really they're not that clever they don't really know what exercise you're doing they feel a stress that you're applying to them and they adapt to that stress they don't know if you're using dumbbells or barbells or if you're doing a certain exercise or another one like there's no best exercise for certain things like it's stimulating that muscle and it's the best way that you can stimulate that muscle and that will still work like even if you just stuck to the bare basics like it will still work it's just more likely as Chloe's saying that your your brain's going to get a bit bored and that's not to say that that's not important like being motivated enough to actually do the workouts means that you're actually going to get results rather than getting bored of them so you stop doing them or you stop working as hard because you've done this workout 50 million times before yeah like if you never got bored and you always had lots of motivation you probably not really ever need to change the training program yeah and it is it is fair to say that there are some you will know if you switch it up sometimes you will know what exercises you feel more down to your biomechanics so like there are some people like james for example who'll get really bad doms in his glutes from squatting I'm like, are you, what, how? I don't understand. That just doesn't apply to me. Um, but then, you know, there are other exercises and same with um, RDLs. And like, I've said this before, RDLs for me are like very much a hamstring dominant exercise, and solo dominant exercise. But some people get really severe DOMS and, and I'm doing the hip hinge and I'm working my glutes as much as I can. But, you know, I really only get it from a hip thrust. Yeah. Um. There was a question here that's just gone, but I'd already read it. So uh, it was, what's the difference between uh, binge eating and mindless eating? Which I thought was a good question. What are you eating? Yeah, well, a lychee. Oh, yeah. Is that like a dried one, though? No. No. That's just a stone. Oh. Like little brains, aren't they? I know. Gooey, gobbly, lovely. Um mindless eating and binge eating binge eating is a is a is a, is a um diagnosed eating disorder it's sort of like a well from the research that i've done and obviously with people that i've know who've, who've suffered from it describe it very much as a compulsion and almost like a almost like a subconscious episode lack of control um mindless eating is <laughs> 
just eating for the sake of eating because it's there. I'm going to let Emma do this bigger and better than me because obviously she works with Amelia and that's obviously Amelia's field. Plus, obviously, Emma has done her own research on it. So, Emma, do you want to take that? Yeah. Uh, so the, the question's actually just re-popped up. She says, it's Julia. It was me. Hi, Clemazon. Clemazon? Mm, I like it. Um, <laughs> could you talk about the differences between mindless eating, overeating and binge eating? Sorry, I forgot, like I couldn't remember the whole question. It feels like we sometimes use these inter interchangeably. And I think that's a really good point to make because people do. And I think we often use binge eating. This is why like when anyone says it, we're always like, oh, could you just elaborate on what you mean by I had a binge? Because there's a big difference between I had a binge and I overate. And sometimes we're like, oh, what do you mean? when you say you had a binge and they're like oh yeah me and my boyfriend sat and ate a whole pizza together like that's not a binge normally a no. binge would that's a conscious decision to eat something that is not a binge yeah and and I think in a way it's hard because that word has been now you know used as a diagnosis for something and maybe they should have used a slightly different word I don't know because you're also like oh yeah I binged watch Netflix oh I'm just gonna binge on it like it is like a commonly used word, much like how intuitive eating decided to use the word intuitive. And now it's like its whole entity and it isn't just being intuitive and it's very confusing for people. Binge is kind of the same in that the binge eating disorder is an eating disorder and you should go and see a doctor about that. And, and as Chloe's saying, like the, the primary difference there is that it feels like you're not in control anymore. Um, and I think there are certain other diagnoses, like it has to happen more than to twice a month or something like that before you'd actually get um support with that which again like there has to be criteria but it seems a little bit arbitrary um whereas i mean overeating can be conscious you can be like yeah i've chosen to overeat or i know that i shouldn't or maybe shouldn't isn't the right word but i know that this isn't in line with my goals but i've still done it like that's that's kind of different um another thing to consider about binge eating is you're probably not going to do it with people around people like it's normally like I went home sat alone and massively over ate not oh me and my friends went out and actually I ate way more than I wanted to eat and I drank way more than I wanted to drink like that's that's a very different thing so also food choices it's a very different thing to go somewhere with people or even if you're at somebody's house and overeat consciously overeat what's in front of you even if you know and you're like well I am out of control because I know I'm doing it and I don't stop and it's like you're still very conscious of what you're doing and what's happening and sitting at home and eating the most random selection of anything you can find just to get food in you like it's a whole other, it's a whole other thing and it's I think as well a lot of uh, a lot of people who who have it find it extremely distressing I mean, really not like, oh, I've got this horrible guilt because I overate last night. And instead of having the pizza that I agreed to share with my boyfriend, I then went into the kitchen and I made a ham toasty, even though I was kind of full. And then I had some ice cream like, and now I feel really guilty. Why do I did do that? Why am I like this? I mean, people have really dark, almost like um, depressive episodes off the back of it. Um, and they really, it's just, it's very distressing for them. Um, and, and there is a huge, there's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with the mindless eating as well, like that's just something that you might not just be conscious of what you're doing. And, and I think tracking helps this quite a lot because you're forced to put that pause in and you're forced to be like, huh. I think when people first start tracking, they're like, oh God, I didn't realize that I, you know, go through the kitchen and eat this. And then like after lunch, I have a little bit of this and then I have another coffee and then I have like a biscuit with my coffee. Like if you ask people to tell tell you if they don't track if you ask someone to tell you what they ate yesterday they'll probably be like for lunch breakfast and dinner I had this and they don't mention anything else they're not like and then after lunch I had like half a protein bar and yeah and then I had some light cheese and then I had a handful of grapes and then I also had half a packet of crisps and then like I'm just shoving my tits in your face it's a great view um yeah so they, they don't remember everything that they ate so I think part of like reducing mindless eating is often tracking and just being accountable to what you're putting in your body um so I think mindless that that's slightly different as well that's obviously not the same as consciously binge eating or knowing that you're struggling with that and if you are then I would definitely go and speak to your doctor about that yeah um and everyone says this and every, hopefully every good coach worth their salt knows this the answer is not 
to diet more. The answer is to stop dieting immediately. Step away and deal with what's happening up here before you even start to deal with the secondary kind of result of it, which is food. It's just not, not, not something you should be looking at doing. Yeah, and it's, people think it's about food. It's but it normally, it's normally about your relationship with yourself. Like people think it's about food and then they think, oh, maybe it's about relationship with food. And it's like, it's not really either of those. It, it's usually about the relationship you have with yourself and that's much deeper. And that's why people go to therapy to like deal with that as opposed to a nutritionist. Like, it's not that you haven't stuck to the right macros. It's not that your calories, I mean, very low calories and over restriction can cause overeating. I would say that's again, that's slightly different to binge eating because people binge eat when they're not in a deficit. Um, or when they're not trying to diet it's, it's a different it's not necessarily that your nutrition is wrong it's more about how you're thinking about yourself a hundred percent it doesn't have to be an event that happened in childhood or whatever it can be an event that's happened as an adult which has forced forced something to change dramatically in your life even if it's just you even if it's internal it's really interesting but it's certainly not something that Emma and I are qualified to help you guys out with it goes far and beyond the qualifications that we have and so yeah we if it, if it, that does apply to you please go and seek help it's so normal it's so common and I know like all compulsive kind of episodes there's this huge element of shame please it's so much easier said than done I'm not a therapist and people will be like great that really helped thanks please park the fucking shame face the problem head on and go and deal with it you are not alone we all have our own shit we've all done things we all can't control certain aspects of ourselves that we're not proud of. You're very, very human. And if it's really, if it's really fucking with your life, you have to go and get help because it doesn't have to be like this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So please do go and go and reach out to someone if that is you. I think the the thing that reduced the shame, or that I've heard that like reduces the shame the most to me is that we're almost primed to binge eat. Like from a standpoint like we're genetically programmed to eat as much food as possible when it's there and actually that's a completely normal human response especially if you're trying to diet like if you're over restricting a normal human response is then to overindulge so that's why we don't want you to be in such a big deficit that you feel massively over restricted but when you look at um yeah like how we were genetically made up and and what would have been best for our survival until the last sort of 100 200 years that would have been when food is available eat as much as you can because it's not always available then you can store that as body fat so when there isn't as much food you're more likely to survive like that that's what we're primed to do that's what we were kind of built to do so I think when people struggle with binge eating like you're saying there is there's so much shame around it when actually it's a completely normal human response and it's almost more weird that <laughs> like people don't binge eat which is something obviously we need to learn to do within the environment that we now live in yes absolutely okay um polly's also saying i think ocd is another term that is also branded about like binge eating emotional eating etc um um the eating is usually the smallest part of the pole picture yeah it's normally like it's normally some kind of control thing right or not always but it's either like numbing emotion or it's having some element of control that comes up a lot with eating disorders where you want to control something and you know that you can control what you're consuming or what you're not consuming potentially more to the point and that's a place in your life where you're getting control where maybe other areas of your life don't feel in control I've had this before with the with the OCD thing uh, but so the the argument is you either have OCD or you don't you know, it's one or the other. It's not like, oh, you have OCD tendencies or you have a smidge of OCD, which I've said before and got in trouble with the mental health community for saying, and I do totally, totally understand why. Um, just like, you know, you can't have a bit of bipolar, like you either have it or you don't have it. But then I think the nuance that's maybe getting jumped over there in terms of semantics is that there are varying degrees of manifestation. So I know people with bipolar, for example, who when they're going through a manic episode, will fall off the radar for a couple of weeks and fuck knows where they are, what they're doing. Um, and same with the depressive fallout of that. And it's, it's the same with OCD. I know people with OCD whose manifestations, you really wouldn't notice 
at all, even if you lived with them for a period of time, they would go quite unnoticed. And I know people with OCD who it's very present, even in social situations, they have it. Um, and I think for, for me and my history of saying things like, you know, smidge of OCD or whatever and getting in trouble, again, totally understand why, because the wording's completely wrong. I think that's the confusion and that's the gray area. That's just something I've learned in the last couple of years that I thought I'd share. <laughs> it is interesting. And I always wonder like the benefits of, of like the labels and how they're mis- I guess like anxiety is the same thing, right? Everyone has anxiety, but no, exactly. not everyone suffers with like generalized anxiety disorder or exactly. what, but everyone experiences the feeling of being anxious. And the so- manifestations are completely different from person to person. Like I have, you know, like you, you know, you talk about like, for example, my best friend uh, Lee was, he's much better now. Um, I mean, had severe social anxiety for a really long period to the point where we didn't see him for years at a time. Um, But then at the same time on the spectrum, everybody has, not everybody, a lot of people have a smidge of social anxiety. You get nervous when you walk into a room of people, even if it's your friends or after COVID, people talked about it. People who've never experienced it before, like I'm getting anxious in social situations. I need to step outside. Like it's a very human thing, but I completely agree with you, Emma. I think it's A, the labels, and I think it's B, the taking of so seriously the labels and people misreading or choosing to misinterpret what quite clearly others mean. Um, you know, we, we saw it recently with James's post in the media. <laughs> it's like, he all, like, and the irony, you know, the irony of the whole thing is I'm, it's my body in the center of it. And one of these things made me laugh and the other thing made me feel incredibly self-conscious. And it's, it's because one thing was completely taken out of the context that it was meant in. And it's yeah. just, it's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay. Oh no, we're, we're up to date on the live. Oh, back we go. I'm so upset this has no alcohol in it because it would be a really what good drink. It? It's like orange and lemon infused iced tea, but I've, start, I've drank it. So I've been putting sparkling water in it. And I'm just like, oh, this could be good with some gin. <laughs> okay, let me get in here. Sam Anson. Of Hanson. <laughs> okay. Hello, both. I hope you're well. This is my first round and I'm already loving it. Yay. I'm trying not to pay too much attention to this scale weight, but I started at 61 kg. There we go. There's the first clue. <laughs> and in the last three weeks, it has fluctuated between 60.2 and 61.8. I'm being pretty consistent with my food. I'm on 1600 calories. I'm hitting steps and three workouts a week. The measurements haven't changed. Should I be patient and keep going or do I need to change something? I appreciate that I'm only three weeks in, now four. I've also just signed up to the Dart 10K swim in September. So I will be adding at least two swims in a week, probably a mile each session. Should I do this along with my two weighted workouts a week? Thank you. Uh, so Sam, first thing- swim? What? No. <laughs> Oh, the dart, yeah, dart 10k swim in September. So we'll be adding in two swims a week, a mile each session. God, that's a, that's a long swim, isn't it? Um, this is why this is a great example of why we look at lowest weekly weight because you're like you've told us that it fluctuates between those two weights. Like that actually tells us absolutely nothing about what's happening with your body composition. Whereas mm-hmm. if that lowest weight is down from your initial first week of your, the lowest weight in your first week, if by week four, that lowest week uh, weight in the week is lower, then we know that you're going in the right direction. You'll fluctuate all the time. We can't do anything about that. It's not important. It is just what it is. That's why we look at that lowest number so we can see what's happening. Yeah. Agree, totally agree one we want your lowest weekly weight not your fluctuating weight because if you take <laughs> my fluctuating weight from the start of a you know targeted fat loss physique phase to the end even if it was 20 weeks it would be anywhere between 59 kg and 65 kg including in those last that last fortnight so it doesn't tell us anything we, t- we need your lowest weekly weight uh, also, you're in a 60 kgs range. That means you're, the, the scales aren't going to be your best measure of progress anyway, which means every four, five, six weeks, taking progress picks will be really helpful. 
you say also second thing to think about or third you're pretty consistent with food what does that mean what does that mean like do you need- <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> I mean anything you know, what else we need- is quite hard like for different people that means completely different things right I know same I know. with training to failure like training to failure for some people means like doing push-ups to the point that you you physically can't touch your face after your workout like I remember doing that <laughs> and I'd like ripped my tricep muscles because I was like well failure like I was still athlete mentality I was like all oh, right so until I physically can't do any more even if someone had a gun to my head that's what failure was to me whereas to someone who's never been to the gym before failure might be oh I feel a little bit uncomfortable so again like so much of this is up to interpretation and some people who are like yeah I'm mostly on my diet will mean I don't track I don't know the, the I don't weigh out my vegetables fine but for someone else it might mean yeah like Monday to Friday I kind of am and then I'll have like a couple of takeaways on the weekend it's so variable so that's why like whenever we're kind of probing those questions we we mean it from the best place if we're just trying to figure out what that means to you when you say it as opposed to being like you're lying yeah. or like we don't believe you or no we just don't know like there's so much there's so much gray area there we don't know um so no I wouldn't I'd get consistent with this it's 100 less things you can do you know you can bank 100 calories a day for that you know day or weekend where you want to come up a bit you can even have higher calories on one to two days a week and still be in a deficit overall we can do an untracked meal i probably if you really have a target fat loss phase i wouldn't do that one more than once every three weeks just because the data is going to suffer and we want data um you know there are things we can do you were not saying like always now 1600 every day forever like but there's there's options here um and then your last thing is you've signed up to the doctor you'll be adding two swims a week should you be doing this along with two weighted workouts a week you should be doing this along with three weighted workouts a week <laughs> one's gonna hate me today anything, <laughs> yep. anything on the live no we're good okay ruth elizabeth hi emma and chloe you know every time someone says that i want to do what you you did once and you're like we prefer clamor <laughs> and then just carry <laughs> Just deadpan. Sorry, we prefer clever. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say that this is my first round after lurking in the background, listening to all your podcasts, and I'm really loving it so far. So thank you. And it might be a silly question, but why is it sometimes that my muscles get really shaky and quivery during and sometimes after a workout? I'm doing home-weighted workouts, and sometimes I notice it more than others. Is it a sign that I am not fueling properly or does it just mean the muscles are working hard? Um, it just means that you have likely trained to failure and you've depleted muscles um, of glycogen storage and you're, you know, you've, you've stimulated them and you've, you've put, uh, you've, you've, yeah, you've trained hard. It's a really good sign. Emma, do you want to put that more articulately? No, I think it's a totally normal side effects of working your body really hard. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> You're so much more articulate than me in the spoken <laughs> word. Sometimes I wish I could just write all of my answers. Um, okay, Gemma Bassett Beer. Can I have the goal of fat loss and a physique goal at the same time? Emma. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They probably come hand in hand for a lot yeah, of people. Same thing. And yeah. I, I, if I, I kind of assume what you're meaning here is, can I have the goal Body. of muscle and building muscle at the same time? Yes, yeah. you can. Um, but yeah, physique. Like if someone came to us saying they had a physique goal normally kind of assume that they're looking to body recompose to, to an extent. So usually that does involve losing muscle and building, sorry, losing fat and building muscle. Oh, I need a wing. Yeah, me too. Jen. <laughs> it's okay. We've got 10 minutes left. We can do it. Jen Chapman. My glutes really disappeared during pregnancy, maybe due to my posture with a bump as I trained throughout. I wondered if you could suggest any additions or swaps to my routine to really focus on building them back up. At the moment, I'm doing five to six workouts a week. I'm doing home weights, lower body upper body, total body, 
gym legs push and pull. Wow, that's a lot. Um, okay, so yeah, okay. So first of all, I wouldn't be doing that many training sessions a week, especially if we're going to need to program your sessions to target your lower body and specifically your glutes. I would give you a different training split. And I mean, <coughs> I'm just looking at this. You're doing three at home and three at the gym. Okay, you know what, Jen? I'm just going to reply to this because I want to reprogram you entirely. And there's no point in me doing it over the live. I'll just do it with you. Emma, do you think so? I just don't think she's got the right training. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Claire, if we move into the other weight category, should we drop our calories from 18 to 1600? Emma? No, not if you're getting results. No, no need whatsoever. Exactly. Samantha John, look how quickly we're getting through these. Samantha Johnson. Hi, Emma and Chloe. I'm loving the plan so far. And this group motivates me so much. That's good. I was doing the gym leg session this week and my knee started to really hurt. I've had an ACL reconstruction and another surgery on the same knee since then. I immediately stopped like you always recommend that we do. And I will go and see my doctor. Go and see a physio. A doctor will be useless. Um, it hasn't hurt any of the other times that I've done this leg session. But this time was the day before my period. I've read the ACL injuries and periods are linked. Are they? I did not know this. I'm going to let Emma do this. Do you have more insight into this research? Is it accurate? Should I be avoiding leg days in the few days before my period? Emma, I don't know this. I wouldn't. So, yes, there is slight research on this. And it's more of a hypothesis than anything that you will have. Well, there's evidence to show that your balance won't be as good that sometimes your ligaments are a little bit looser at certain times because of changes in hormones. People tend to extrapolate this out probably to more than like, again, it's almost like any PMS symptom. Some people might really notice that their balance goes a bit. Other people mm. might have no impact whatsoever. Some people might really notice that their strength is higher or lower at certain times a month. I would argue it's probably more placebo. And if someone tells you that you're not gonna be as coordinated or as balanced or your concentration is gonna be poorer, it probably is. But then you get some people who are like, we should never do any tests at this certain phase of our menstrual cycle because our brain cognitive function isn't as high and all this stuff. And like, you do get it to an extent a little bit and we've seen how it impacts mood. So like, it's not, it's not a complete leap. Um, do I think you shouldn't train legs at that, like the week before your period? Like, I mean, if you've really noticed that and you notice that things like your balance go, like yeah sure why not it's probably not going to make a huge amount of difference um but yeah that's kind of where the research comes from on that like there, and there is some evidence to show that people that women are more likely to be injured at certain times of their month okay yes to all of that but is there a direct correlation between your menstrual cycle and acl like specifically um I th I don't know if there's any evidence showing that more women because I don't think I can't imagine how people could have got this data because we just don't track things like that it's, enough but yes everything like absolutely everything but that's a very specific yeah like, I, I imagine what's happened is someone's been like there is evidence to show that your balance is worse at this time of the month. One thing yeah. we know about ACL injuries is they often happen when you are off balance or if you're doing like change in direction kind of sport and then you're not balanced as well or your coordination is poorer. So linking those two things, we could like transpire that it's more likely that you would have ACL injuries at X time of the month. And maybe that's how it's come to play. Unless, I mean, there could have been a short or like a relatively small cohort I would imagine of people being followed to see where when their cycle was in relation to ACL injuries have you googled it no I'm, I'm getting more questions because we've gone through the first round um I mean it's I mean but then but then by that by that logic I wouldn't be training throughout my pregnancy because I have I've gone from being yeah, <laughs> yeah but so you are higher risk no, and, completely and like the 
ligaments will change and things as well. Exactly. My whole entire everything from my bone structure, my ligaments, even just perception of my space, balance, everything gone. So by the logic of maybe I shouldn't train at this oh, time. Here's a meta-analysis. The effect of menstrual cycle and contraceptives on ACL injuries and laxity or laxity, sorry, I added in a part of that word. Um, background, women are at uh, substantially greater risk of ACL injuries than men. That's the first part. Okay, let's see, conclusion. Uh, the literature suggests an association between hormonal fluctuations and ACL injury. Recent studies have suggested that oral contraceptives may offer up to a 20% reduction in risk of injury. The literature on ACL injuries and the menstrual cycle has more than doubled over the past decade, permitting quantitative analysis for the first time. However, the overall strength of this evidence is low. Promising potential uh, directions for future research include long-term observational studies and ongoing hormonal assays and large interventional, interventional trials of follicular suppression, including newer hormonal methods. That sounds um, like a trial I would rather kill myself than be involved. <laughs> I mean, I guess like what if, you, if you're going to translate some of that, people who have less hormonal fluctuations, i.e. men or women on or, um, hormonal contraception will have oh, a lower it. reduction in ACL, a lower risk of ACL injuries. It doesn't, it seems to suggest here that there's not enough evidence to suggest that people at certain times of their cycle should be training in different ways. Yeah, of course there's not enough evidence. So we'd know this, wouldn't we? I mean, I don't know. You already did know it. Um, but really fucking interesting though. I love learning something new. Should we do one more? Yeah, I'm about to pee my pants. Okay, fine. Here we go. Let's do it really quick. Faye. Hey, Faye, you've been very quiet this round. I'd like to hear more of you, please. Um, yeah, you asked a question probably five weeks ago. <laughs> like fucking bitches never replied. Where's my special grad treatment? Um, hi, sexy ladies. I vaguely remember you mentioning something about not taking multivitamins close to your training, but I can't remember why. Please, can you enlighten me again? Please, Emma, that was you. You don't take your supplements around training, do you? Yes, uh, there's probably very little difference here, but the the idea behind it, and, and if something's easy to do and there's a rationale behind it, I'm like, why not just do it? So the idea yeah. behind that is that you have um, high antioxidants uh, within your vitamins. So if you're taking those um, near a training session where you've created oxidative stress, which may sound, sound bad, but is actually one of the, I guess... Um, how am I trying to say that? One of the adaptations to resistance training or actually to any kind of training will be oxidative stress. So you don't necessarily want to get rid of that straight away. So if you're having antioxidants right after your training session, you're kind of dampening some of the signals to adapt to that training session. So you may as well just have it. If you normally train in the morning, have your antioxidants at night or like your vitamins at night. If you train at night, have them in the morning. It, it will make very little difference, but it's also such an easy swap that probably makes no difference to your life that you may as well do it. Exactly. Unless you start forget to take all your supplements, which if that's a big deal for you, then whatever. But I agree with Emma. Why not? Yeah. Um, all right, guys, we have to pee. So we're going to go. Um, Emma, I'll WhatsApp you in a minute. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.